Hello and welcome to the Scottish Fantasy Football Community Podcast. My name is Thomas. And I'm Harry. And this is the podcast following a relatively big game week. I mean, both of us scored over 100 points, so I'd say it was fairly successful. Thomas, how did you get on? I scored a total of 108 points. And your rank is up to? 214th, which is not too bad. That's a reasonable rise from what I remember. Yeah. From three wild cards. Last week, oh, well, yeah, so last weekend I was 348th, and then the weekend before that I was 322nd. So I went down and then back up to, two, to just out of the top 200. So it's what, about 100 rank rise? Uh, Yeah, about that. Um, would I say I'm disappointed with my wild card? Not really. I think there's a few choices that I made that could have been better, uh, but we can talk about that later. And you'll probably be able to tell who I probably regret when I walk you through my team. So I triple captained and bench boosted this week. Um, my goalkeeper Maynard Brewer scored me two points. Bassie and Tav scored me twelve and thirteen respectively. Harry Clark scored me a grand total of zilch. James Forrest got me a massive one point. Aribo got me thirteen. Boyle got me eleven. Triple Captain Turnbull got me thirty-nine. Mikey Johnson got me two. My vice captain Nisbet got me four, and Mullen got me two. Then on my bench boost, I had Legstons for two, Freeman for one, Hedges for four, and Rooney for two. So off the top of my head, that's about 10, 11 points on the bench boost? Uh, three, add four, seven, nine. Not great, but not a complete and utter failure. At least all of the players on the bench played, I guess, is a positive takeaway from that. Yeah, but... I would also, the bench boost is arguably... A- out of all of them, the least valuable. Yeah, purely because the players that you're bench boosting are a going to be dirt cheap. You know, I look at you know I look I, I hear your bench maybe exclude hedges from that list, um, and I look at my own. You know, Maynard Brewer, Spittle, Mullen, and McCart. Like they're from three of the bottom four teams, and all of them are very much in the budget bracket within their respective positions. So to expect anything like like to get fifteen to twenty points, a very successful bench boost. Um, and to, yeah, you got nine, I got ten. I'll take it. It's not great, but anyway, fine. Harry, since you're itching to tell us how you did, how did you do? <clears throat> I scored a whopping podcast record of 133 points this game week. Um, yeah, as I mentioned just briefly, their bench boost wasn't particularly successful. A total of ten points. You know, I guess that's. More successful than mine? That A, that, and B, it's like a player returning and getting a bonus point that I would not have had. So I had uh, in goals, Seagrass for two points and Freeman for one. I was particularly sad about that because, and we're going to come on and talk about it in a bit, uh, Livingston scored from the spot. And by and large, according at least to expected data, didn't, didn't necessarily deserve to come away with a result. Um, so that was hard to take. I had outlined the, those two players for the single game week with a very favourable fixture, and it backfired. Like Thomas, I had the Rangers double up in defence, uh, Bassiet and Tav returning me 12 and 13 points respectively. I don't know what it is, like, neither of them I thought, I don't think either of them received bonus points. Yeah, neither of them did. I think it was like, yeah, like a tackles one and uh, interceptions point for James Tavernier. Just four solid clean sheets between the two of them. Juranovic for 9 points, I'll take that. Charles Cook, 12. Vice-Captain Aribo for 18. 
Boyle for 12, triple captain, uh, Turnbull for 39. I'll take a triple captaincy on a double-digit hole. That's fine by me. Johnson for 2, Nisbet for 4, and then my bench boost goes Maynard 2, Spittle 5, Mullen 2, McCart 1. So, Thomas, before we go ahead and look at the fixtures, where do you feel like... Um, what the high points and the lower the lower points? I mean, I feel that I have to say that tr- triple captain Turnbull is obviously. I'm not going to be upset about it. Obviously, that I've had players who have had high returns, but I've also had weeks where my captain's not returned. So, I'll take an almost forty pointer on my triple captain. Um, my th- Rangers triple up was very good, and Boyle, despite playing for a. Not great Hibs side, getting me 11 points is also something I'll not turn my nose up at. And nine points for my bench boost is okay. Again, nothing too great, but I'm not going to complain. There is worse weeks that I've had for my bench. On the flip side, there's a lot to talk about. With the benefit of hindsight, I guess, as well. And just sort of watching the, the highlights. Mullen scoring an own goal, and also I think he hit the woodwork in one of the games, is just heartbreaking for me. Um, James Forrest getting injured in the 17th minute of the first game again. And that was after he was threw in on goal and like scuffed his shot or whatever. And then I was also thinking about this. Would I have been better off investing in like a good goalkeeper and having still one cheapy and instead of investing into goalkeepers like Maynard Brewer and Legstons. And I like in hindsight, I do kind of regret not just sort of sticking someone like Xander Clark on or just having like a, like a good goalkeeper in goals. It would have been like, I feel like I would have been more likely to have a better outcome, especially with the teams that Dundee and Ross County had and the defences which Ross County and Dundee have. Fair enough. So would you say your only true mistakes then this week? You know, with the benefit of hindsight, you can make you know anything a mistake. Like, oh, having Nisbet in for those double games week, that was a mistake because he didn't return that many points. However, the reasoning behind having him in was very, very sound. Good fixtures, double game weeks, coming into a little bit of form. You can't be too upset about that. Um, but would you say your only two true mistakes were your goalkeeper selection and maybe James Forrest? Yeah. James Forrest, I could argue, yes, was a mistake. Maybe also Mikey Johnston, but again... Uh... I was again. You shouldn't do this and like be like, "Oh, kick yourself for choices you could have made." I was really tossing and turning between him and Watkins, and that was at the start of last weekend. So, yeah, not too great. But yeah, I think those are my only mistakes. I also feel that when just before I pressed my bench boost, I didn't feel like my bench was the greatest. And I feel it could have been used at a better point in the season, but pressed anyway, because I think I just sort of got caught up in the double game week hype. Yeah. But No, I would actually agree with you, particularly with regards to that bench boost. Um, yeah, the use of the bench boost this week. Whilst I had set my wild card up to target this game week, you know, with the way things transpired with the um, injuries to Kyogo Furuhashi and, you know, Josh Dog not playing, sort of forcing your hand into a couple of transfers. You could have maybe agree. I would agree. Waited even just one more game week. You know, I, I would have had three Ross County players and a St Johnston player um, on a bench boost when they both got a double game week next week and had a good enough starting eleven to warrant keeping them all on the bench. 
Um, but it's it's one of those things you just have to kind of you know take, take that as, take it on the chin, take it as a lesson, and move forward. Yeah, I, I think my positives are very very similar to yours. Um, my it's just it's funny how these things go. Like Anthony Ralston was injured for the first game, yet scored two more points than Juranovic, who played ninety minutes of both. Yeah, the highest one of the if not the highest scoring defender this week was uh, Obilai taking a penalty, keeping a clean sheet, and getting all the bonus for for Livingston. So it's one of those things. It's just by and large very happy with that. I'm in. Oh, I never mentioned my overall rank. I am up to the lofty heights of seventy two. Very happy with that. Very happy with that. And I think that's probably a good point to move on to the fixtures then. Yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, we're going to go... Oh, uh, well, actually, before this, can we quickly talk about mine and Harry's dad's overall rank? He is now up to whopping 36th in the Mega League. Yeah, I have to say, it's surprising all three of us. This is his first season playing fantasy football seriously on any in any format. Yeah, like the only time I can remember our dad playing fantasy football was when it was in his works mini league. And then even then, it was like five years ago and me and Harry did it for him or like told him what to do so he could just say that it was him doing it. And then we weren't even that good at keeping up with his team and changing and stuff like that. Like we weren't even necessarily that into the fantasy football. I think we're going back further than five years now. I think it's like closer to 10 back, yeah. back from a both at school. But yeah, fair play. Shout out Soap Dodgers. <laughs> Soap Dodgers SC. Right. Fixture number one. I think the plan is just to move through these a little bit quicker than normal as there are nine games to go over. Yep. Um, so the my notes are not as in-depth as usual. However, I still do have the stats. Uh, we're going to go to possibly my favourite game to have had listened to and watched the highlights of, which was Ross County versus Dundee, a game that finished uh, 3-2. On balance, the 3-2 result uh, for the Staggies was probably about fair. They recorded an expected goals of 2.14 uh, to Dundee's 1.33. Um, and whilst they had far fewer um, shots, uh, shots, they put the same number on target, you know, five each. And then it was Ross County who um, outweighed Dundee with regards to the big chances, 4-1. to one. What did you make of the game, Thomas? Yeah, I mean... It's just like breaking that it was um it wasn't Mullins scoring, it was the other Dundee striker scoring. It's yeah. just like yeah. come on. Um but then yeah, I think you were actually unlucky to not get more points from Reagan Charles Cook because the goal for Samuel's goal, it's like come on. Like the assist is Charles Cook's. Yeah, I, I remember like I remember hearing it. it it was initially awarded to him and then taken off him. Then I watched the highlights actually today. And just seeing it and like feeling a bit sick. Man, are you kidding me? Because he put a beautiful ball into Samuel. Samuel has to, all he has to do is bury it, but he puts it straight at the keeper and it bounces off the keeper onto him and then into the net. So the assist was wiped out. It was pretty felt pretty hard done by with that one. Um, I completely concur, Thomas. Mullen owners can consider themselves somewhat unfortunate. Um, he. First of all, for his own goal, I think the fault does not lie at his feet. I think that's all Legstons, who makes a complete arse of coming for the cross. Oh, absolutely. Blocks the view of Mullen, and it's essentially it hits his shin without him knowing a thing about it and trickles into the net. Um, he hit the woodwork once, and then I think it was in the Hibs game. He had a, a, a big chance that he should have buried. Um, so we're looking at remove the, remove the own goal. 
the the shot off the woodwork you know moves in or down two inches i can't remember if it was off the post or the bar and he buries that chance and all of a sudden it's a different story i would say you know the choice was between him and McCarran when it comes to the Dundee assets. And I thought Mullen had the better opportunities. And McCarran owners, well, first of all, I guess congrats, but also should consider themselves somewhat lucky as um, his goals came from what I would argue of much lower percentage shots um, relative to the kind of quality of a player you expect to be playing up front for, for Dundee. Agreed. Um Saying that, McCarran almost did score his hat-trick if it wasn't for a very good Maynard Brewer save. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, he did register some you know reasonable underlyings in this game. Uh, two goals, uh, four shots and three on target and one key pass. Um, but they're fairly similar to, uh, to Mullins. Four shots, one on target, one onto the woodwork. So it's just one of those days. I have to say, before we move on... Um, Ross County attacking assets. I'm all about those, especially as a Regan Charles Cook owner. I think I saw somewhere they are the third or fourth best attacking side in the league when it comes yeah. to number of goals. So, yeah, happy to be on Regan Charles Cook. Thomas, are you looking at them for players at the moment, or are you? I have Harry Clark and um, Maynard Brewer in my team, and I don't know why I did that. They've got one of the worst defences in the league, but offensive assets is definitely something you should... If you've not already got them, you should 100% be considering them. Outside of Regan Charles Cook, who would it be? I would probably say Peyton. I mean, saying... Nah, not Peyton. You mean uh, Spittle. Spittle, that was the one. Um, saying that, I think Harry Clark had a shot from like inside the box at the back post, which he should have buried again, but just... They didn't. That's, yeah, it's one of Again, those things. Yeah, it's one of those weeks, I guess, for me. I just, I, do, I don't think it's probably worth looking past Regan Charles Cook. He's the man on form. He's the one who's getting involved in the goals. So I don't, I wouldn't overthink that one. Aye. Anyway, on to the next game. Ross County 1, Celtic 2. So we've got this going in a bit of a theme here where we're trying to get the double game week matches to link up slightly at the very least. So we're going from Ross County Dundee to Ross County Celtic, which saw Celtic grab a very, very late equaliser uh, through a certain Anthony Ralston. Um, on balance, I think... Um, it, I think it was a fair result. Yeah. I think Celtic 100% deserved to win. Ross County opened up or started the game very brightly for like the first 15 to 20 minutes and then faded away a little bit. And then I was listening to the game on the radio and it was quite funny listening to to the commentators talk about how the wing backs who aren't really wing backs they invert and get very high and central and then as they're speaking about it scales gets the ball in a very high and central place and then crosses into a batter who scores yeah. i thought uh, some very nice foresight from the commentators yeah um but another player who i feel could have returned was David Turnbull he was had loads of shots and just well I think one of them sort of took a deflection and Kelly made a fantastic save as he was going in the other direction so yeah I think even though he got me a 39 pointer I still again feel hard done by that he didn't get even more points yeah I've got him down here as having had five shots uh one on target and making four key passes um, but I think something I'd like to bring up, uh, particularly uh, with respect to th this this fixture, was something you like to talk about 
quite often, which is shot selection. And in this game, Celtics can be bad from game to game, depends who they're playing. But this was one of their worst ones. Like this was up there with the maybe not quite as bad as the Livingston draw at home. Um, but this was particularly poor. Uh, 25 shots, only 8 on target, and then only 8 from inside the box. So an overwhelming majority of these shots were taken from well outside. I think Near Beton registered something like 7 shots, 1 on target, 5 from outside the box. McGregor took 4 shots, 1 on target, and maybe all 4 of them were outside the box. So that was a little bit concerning. Um, do you think Ross County were worth their goal in this game? Should I feel hard done by as Juranovic owner? I mean, it came from a corner, which is just typical Celtic, isn't it? Yep. Um, and I feel like since Ross County are one of the best offences in the league, um, and you are playing, like Ross County are at home, I mean, I feel that probably wouldn't be, shouldn't feel too hard, but I feel like that was sort of on the balance of things. Again, Celtic deserved to win, but I also feel Ross County deserved at least the goal. Yeah. No, that's probably probably a fair assessment. Um, and it was Jack Baldwin who rose and met that with his head. I think we gave him a brief mention in the in the wild card podcast um, as someone who's on a, on a good run of form when it comes at least to scoring points in fantasy football Scotland. And that continues. Um, so I, I don't think I'll have added him to the watch list because I already have three Ross County players and I think there are better options in defence than him. But uh, he may go on to prove me wrong. Anything else you'd like to cover in this fixture, Thomas? Um, a player who I said earlier who I was tempted by was Tom Rogic. And again, in this game, was this the one where he only came on for like the last 20 minutes? And even then he returned. So still very tempted by Tom Rogic as my third Celtic asset. He's quite cheap as well, around about 5.4, 5.6 million, something like that. Yep, sort of a similar price bracket to someone like Ryan Hedges. And I feel like... Tom Rogic would return more. Yeah, yeah. He assisted uh, Anthony Ralston's uh, match winner. But then the only problem with—I mean, I know we're probably talking about players when we shouldn't—but the problem with bringing in Tom Rogic is then you've got to pick him over when they're fit: Jota, Furuhashi, Ralston, and David Turnbull. It's tough to it, do that. It really is. So, I, like you, and like the thing with Tom Rogic is he's never guaranteed ninety minutes, or like he's never guaranteed to even like start. Yeah. So. He he is at the moment. He is at the moment. I'd say I think Celtic are fairly threadbare in the middle of the park. But I know what you mean. Even even when that's the case, he's still having his minutes limited. He rarely completes a full ninety. But I was I will sh- will say shout out to the half hour fantasy podcast. Um, I think it's Peter. Uh, stuck triple captaincy on him and uh landed big time. So you know, hats off. Fair play. Right then to link nicely. To our next fixture, we go from it was Ross County versus Celtic to Celtic one, Motherwell nil. Thomas, sorry, I need to quickly find out my notes. Oh, it's the page before. That's great. So yes, this is the game where James Forrest went off after not much time. How many mm. liters of tears did you cry when you heard that he was coming off the first half? About two gallons. And did you know that that was his double game week over? Did you think? That oh was yeah, him? I knew that. I wasn't expecting any more points from him. Oh really? Yeah. Tough. Yep. And that the thing the thing that's even worse for that is that's after he missed a, like one on one inside within within eight yards of the goal. And maybe with a bit of match sharpness, he buries that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's very very annoying. 
On to, the, on to the game, Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, again, this Celtic performance was a lot better than the Ross County one. Um, you can tell just by the fact that in this game, from their 26 shots, Celtic had 20 from inside the box. Um, I do still feel, I mean, as with every team, that they're going to miss Furuhashi, Jota and Ralston. But again, if you take every team's arguably three best players out of their team, they're always going to be nowhere near as good. Saying that, the Tom Rogic goal was very, very nice. A very nice, like, free kick routine. I think they call those, what do they say in commentary? That one was straight off the training ground. Yes, a very, very FIFA-esque commentary routine there. But yeah. Um, I think Celtic were marginally lucky to keep their, their their clean sheet. I think this was maybe one of Joe Hart's better performances in the league. He made a couple of great saves um, from close range and Motherwell recorded an XG of 0.89. Motherwell, who are a team that I was pretty down on for a while, and I, you know, sort of poo-pooed them as just over overperforming their expected results. But more recently, their expected data and their underlying statistics have risen to match their performances. And to go away to Celtic Park and record an expected goals of almost one, fair play. Like this, this, I'm still definitely a fan of Tony Watt. Um, but ultimately, in this game, there's not too much to talk about from a Motherwell player's perspective. Uh, I think this is the same with the previous fixture. Um, Turnbull could probably consider himself unlucky to have only returned once alongside Roderick. I think they both had chances to A, score and B, assist. Um, I have Turnbull down here as having had three shots, two on target and seven key passes. And this actually got me thinking, those seven key passes. Um, Turnbull, yeah, he made seven key passes in the uh, Motherwell game and uh, received the three bonus. And he made, what was it in the previous, four key passes. And without returning, received one bonus point. And I wonder if key passes are like a metric that is heavily weighted by the sort of overall rating system. And that's why you saw a player like Ramsey getting so many bonus. Yes, that was, was like, what that is what I was going to say. Um, and the thing is, is I think if you like, if someone gets their head on a corner, it classes as a key pass completed because you're moving the ball from outside the box to a player inside the box and I th- and if they're getting their head to it they're obviously they're generally speaking going to be shooting so yeah I feel like if you can get your the team's corner kick taker slash free kick taker you're almost always going to maybe pick up at least one bonus point and then if they return because they're on the free kicks and corners you'll get even more bonus points plus the return points yeah um any other i thought at johnson had a reasonable game he uh had six shots put only one on target and probably should have scored made two key passes too and then rogic as we said he had a great game one goal eight shots and two on target with two key passes i would something i think worth mentioning about the two Celtic results is they are it's hard to say that they are these are results of champions, but it's the kind of match that Celtic last season would have lost. Like if they went one one down, like down to ten men, one one against Ross County, uh, you're taking one point back down the road. But to go and you know snatch that victory from the jaws of defeat, and then to sort of keep Motherwell just about at arm's length and win one nil, it's very promising considering how threadbare the squad is at the moment. Yep, I. 
Couldn't agree more. And there is news that Furuhashi might be fit relatively soon. So if you're wanting him in your team, uh, yeah. He's I mean, back on the radar. And I was actually reading something somewhere and it was something about him saying that he feels like he's, although he's scoring, he's not taking enough of his chances and wants to score more. So it's like he's got a good attitude and he's a good footballer who gets into the right positions. And yeah, I feel like maybe bringing in Furuhashi when he's fit isn't a bad idea. I like that reference to player psychology. That's something I really... It's something I've taken inspiration from a podcast for those who aren't... I mean, I'd be surprised if you weren't familiar with the FPLR. If you're not, they are probably... I think they won the award for best FPL content creators or best podcast. And that's something all three of them are big on is player psychology. And to hear um, Kugo Furuhashi being hard on himself despite having scored so many goals, I think it's only good news from a fantasy football Scotland um, perspective because he'll be taking more chances, pushing himself to you know, work on his finishing. And ultimately, it's a sign of a confident player. And we like those confident players that shoot often. Talking of confident players, um, let's move on to Hearts versus Rangers because Rangers are, are full of confident players. Full of confident players. Absolutely, Thomas. Thank you for helping me finish that segue. My goodness me, this double game week. In fact, all th- all three of their fixtures between game week 17 and double game week uh, 18, they've looked absolutely fantastic. Why don't you start us on this one then, Taurus? Hearts versus Rangers. Um, Yeah, I think first we have to talk about Alan McGregor. An absolutely inspired performance. I think had it been not eight or nine of the other goalkeepers in the league, it could easily have finished 3-2-2-2-2-1. But even from like the first minute, Boyle had like a chance inside the box where he was one-on-one and tried to lob him, and McGregor made a fantastic save. And that seemed to be... It sort he... of set the tone for the game, didn't it? Yep. Um, what I will say is Hearts looked very good. On the sports scene highlights, if you think that they picked the right highlights or not, that's up to you. But... A vast majority fell at the feet of Hearts, is yep. what I will say. Yep. And one player in particular, particular was Liam Boyce. Uh, he must have had about ten shots and didn't return once. I think he had recorded an expected goals of like one point six to one point eight somewhere in that region. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very very impressive. And he scored no times. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to complain since I had two heart uh, two Hearts defenders, two Rangers defenders. No, it was nice to receive those clean sheet points. I would agree. I I would do feel somewhat lucky if you look at the you know just based on as you've said purely on the eye test and then look at at the underlying statistics it was a very close game, uh, two point one three uh, non penalty expected goals for Hearts to Rangers two, uh, and then three big chances to Rangers four so very very tight game. Um, you've already dug Boyce out as someone who had a good game despite not finishing. Someone else I'd like to dig out. My goodness me, Morelos looks like he's playing at his absolute peak right now. He looked so good. Like that goal he scored was against Dundee, was the previous game week. Oh, where he like ran sort through his three barrel- players. Not doesn't be- doesn't necessarily go around them or you know jinx by them. He just barrels through them and blasts it into the net. We saw him getting a goal here, um, and a, you know a very very well taken finish. Um, I think it was the was this the game in which uh, Goldson flicked on the the cross to him or was that in the, in the next that's, fixture? That's the next one. Goldson's assist for this game was for 
the Aribo goal. That's correct. That's correct, yeah. Regardless, Morelos is looking a level above at the moment, and I think it's something maybe we can come on to talk to a little bit in a little bit. I thought Aribo's goal was very, very well taken. Fantastic, as you said, fantastic ball through from Goldson, and he finished as well. But his underlying statistics from the double game week, all told, were not, not that spectacular. Really? That's kind of surprising. Because, like, although he... On the eye test, he looks pretty good. Yeah. Still, he's still, like, everything... Everything Rangers going forward creatively and relatively often goal-scoringly, he is still consistent Rangers returner. He was the one, I think, was it the Turnstra role that thing he had at yes. PSV? Yes. He was very much in that position this week, and that's what, that's pretty much how he got his goal. Yeah, no, he's still running beyond pushing to get into the box. I think they call it the third man running or the third man arriving. He still very much has taken that role, so long may that continue. I'm happy to leave that there for the uh, Hearts versus Rangers game. Let's move on to the home victory, which saw the Jars run out 2-0 winners. Um, fairly convincing performance. If the first one was tight, then you could argue quite convincingly that Rangers deserve to have one more than 2-0 in this next fixture. They recorded 27 shots, um, 20 in the box, and three big chances to uh, St. Johnson's five shots, one on target, two in the box, and one big chance. Morelos' numbers in this game were ridiculous. And when I say like this is him performing at the top of his game, when he was at Rangers initially under Kai Jr., he was you know, a, a true goal scorer, a penalty box striker, you know, picking up scraps, you know, burying shots from around the penalty spot, the six-yard. And then under Gerard, we saw him sort of drop back into the false nine and it was the wide players that did a lot of the attacking. Here, he did sort of both. He ended the game with one goal and one assist, which is, I guess, sort of the epitome of this. But if you go to the underlyings, you know, three shots, two on target and seven key passes, taking him to the double game week. For the double game week, his totals to, um, quick maths here, seven shots, four on target and nine key passes. Nuts. Um, another player who I think would arguably have played their first like good game of the season was Ryan Kent. Yes, he looked very, very good going forwards. Yeah, he got a goal in this one too. Yep, um, six and, shots for on target. Yep, and like there was just I can't remember which one it was, but I think he like does a bit of skill, gets round his player, and then he gets just inside the box and shoots. And I, I think he, again, it's one of those opportunities that if they'd gone in, you'd be like. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, if I, he keeps performing this way, he could start putting himself on the radar. Agree. I think he's on the watch list now. My only caveat to Kent is um, this game week. But uh, sorry, this game week in this fixture, he was hooked on sixty-seven, and at left wing they have Sakala and is it right? Right plays on the left as well, does he not? Or he can play on the left at least. Yeah, but I feel like right is like a lot. Is like if there's nothing else to do, he comes on. Yeah, I don't think he is of Rangers quality. True, but still, there are like especially Sakala. There are players waiting in the wings there, and you know we're now in you know we're in the middle of the December fixture crunch. I, I think, yeah, his minutes are going to be limited to more than say an Arebo or a Morelos. Agreed. Um, Saint Johnson, very bad. Saint Johnson, very bad. They are the worst. 
team in the league according to the in real life table and the uh, expected points table. They are having a nightmare season as it stands. Yep, the o- like the only so I've taken notes of like pretty much every highlight sports scene showed, and there's only the McCart header, and that is it. They look so bad, both defensively and offensively. Like. Why on earth do you leave Morelos at the back post unmarked? Like that is just basic defending and surprising from such an or like what has been such an organised defence. If I was if I was Cal Davidson, I'd be choking to leave like out quickly whilst I'm still looking good for having achieved what I did the season before. Because yep, and like and even this season with the semi cup final, the semi cup final, the semi final in the cup, um, that's still nothing. That's no mean feat. So he could still put that on his CV and get out. But like, if St. Johnson keep going the way they're going, I mean, they're obviously going to be going down. But like, that is really not good. I mean, if you look at if you look at the teams around them, like uh, Hibs, picked, sorry, St. Marion picked up a point against Hibs. Um, Livingston won. Dundee were unfortunate not to get a result against Ross County and have been doing better recently. Ross County are picking up points. So, you know... They kind of might be getting left down there a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily be targeting them from an offensive standpoint for captaincy or vice-captaincy, but if you're looking for a safe player on a VC, then I think uh, any defender almost playing against it at St. Johnson would be a great shout. I think they are by far and away the poorest uh, goal-scoring team in the league and their shots-in-the-box record as well. I think it was... a. St. John St. J fan analysis on Twitter, they are by far and away the worst for shots in the box. Yeah, and I think I, I remember I don't remember who it was that uploaded it, but they did like this thing where it showed where teams had taken shots and their like average shots distance from goal, and I think St. Johnson were one of the highest. And I remember saying a few weeks ago they had like the lowest passes before losing possession. Lowest number of shots in the box, and I can't remember what the other one was, but again, very worrying. Very worrying. Talking of very worrying, I guess the one big piece of football news we've yet to mention in this podcast was the dismissal of Jack Ross as we headed into the double game week. After a fairly underwhelming double game week 17, things could not have been getting worse, any worse from a fantasy football Scotland perspective. And to be honest, having looked at the highlights for both games not long before we've come on the podcast. I actually haven't dug out any performances from any Hibs players. No. I mean, the best goal for Hibs was McMullen's header. It was top quality. <laughs> like, gave Legsden absolutely no chance to save it. You and have to feel very hard done by someone who's bench-boosted with Legsden in goals. Like, that yeah. is just a freak goal that you could, like, nothing can be done about that. Nah. Yeah, but yeah, just... I don't know. It's rumoured it's Maloney that's coming in. Don't really know. I mean, Maloney was under Martinez at Belgium, so I mean, maybe some influences of that. But again, they are due an upturn in form. They've been underperforming pretty significantly as of late. But this double game week, they didn't look great. No, yeah. In the Hibs, so in the Hibs versus Dundee game, my notes were um, Boyle okay, Nisbet okay, and uh, whilst Hibs were solid defensively in this fixture, Dundee it was more a case of Dundee just being poor going forward. 
and yep. potentially missing Charlie Adam, who's out injured after a crash in his motor. Um, <laughs> absolutely steaming which is not great <laughs> probably shouldn't be laughing at his misfortune but that just seems like one of the more it's the most football football thing you can do like to yep. be drunk and crash your car that just is like a football move all over and he joins the list of felons at Dundee Football Club <laughs> <laughs> yeah so his were not particularly great against Dundee which I, in my opinion when you're playing at Dundee at home that's a layup for in terms as a fixture and then away against St Mirren from a, an offensive perspective is also a fairly soft game um, and this was a tight fixture with only one big chance each uh, St Mirren's four shots in the box the hips of seven I have to say, you know, I, it's, I don't think, it, it's one of those things, in hindsight, it maybe would have been a mistake to, you know, initially triple and then be doubled up on Hibs' assets, but you had to play those fixtures. They were plum fixtures with good attacking players, and it's just not worked out quite the way we wanted. Well, yeah, they played Dundee and Ross County, the two worst defences in the league, and even then they could barely get firing. It's like layup after layup, and they just didn't take any of them. Boyle misses, was Boyle missing his penalty in the double game week for 17? It was, yeah, because we spoke about it almost hitting the camera in the last pod, I think. Yep. <sighs> right, Thomas, this is where I hand over to you, and you take the weight of this podcast on your back, because I actually never managed to get around to watching the highlights of uh, the Dundee United versus Livingston game, or the Aberdeen versus St. Johnson. Um, um. So... Sure, I need to figure out where I've got them in my notes, because we've done this, the non- I did cast my eye over the statistics of the Dundee United game um, as a Freeman Seagrist owner, and I feel pretty hard done by to have not gotten the clean sheet there. If you remove the penalty, I think their expected goals was less than point three point four. How much is it if you take out penalty? Pen- ah, it's point seven six. So they, 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 what was it? About about point five they recorded. But yeah, about point five point six, but. Yeah, I mean, Alan Forrest looked okay going forwards. Um, yeah, there's just not much to talk about from this game. Niskanen had two decent chances and absolutely fluffed both of them. Forrest almost scored when he was in not great positions, yeah. and that's really all there was to talk about this game. Yeah, definitely. That that penalty goal was a bit of a sucker punch. But it also led to, I mean, we mentioned it already, it led to A.O. Obelai being the highest scoring defender in the double game week, and he's a Livingston defender playing in a single game week. Oh, something I will say is that Obelai also, after the penalty, had a goal ruled out for offside, which was... We'll consider it tight, is yeah. what we'll call it. My goodness, he, he could have been on, he could have been like comfortably the highest point scoring defender in, in the double game week. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. I, I, I will say it is, we'll go on to talk about this in a bit, but I do like him uh, to a certain extent as a pick going forward. Livingston have a nice little run of four fixtures, and he's a centre back on penalties. Like, Did we not actually single him out in like the pre season thread for like budget options as he was a centre back taking penalties? I don't know if we did. I wonder if it's just something that me and you spoke about because I know um, at, uh, I think it's FPL Gunner. Uh, I can't remember if that's his Twitter handle. I'm just going to quickly pull it up so I don't get that wrong. But he made a quick wee thread at the start of the season um, detailing the cheaper um, cheaper options and he was on there. And then we were paying attention to like the preseason games and saw that he'd scored a penalty. So yeah, at Gunner underscore FPL had sort of him earmarked a little bit and here we go scoring a penalty in the regular season so something to keep an eye on 
Okay, anyway. so I feel fairly unlucky having Livingston burst my double clean sheet. I also feel particularly, not particularly unlucky, but somewhat unlucky that my Jamie McCart clean sheet versus Aberdeen was burst by a goal that should have been rolled up for a, for a, for a handball. Yeah, but I still feel that Aberdeen did deserve to win. Um, Ferguson hit the post. Jet had a lovely header, which was well saved by Clark. Um, Hayes actually looked pretty threatening, like with putting a couple of decent deliveries. And then Ramirez scored from like, or didn't score, he hit the side netting from like 25 yards out to like right of the right-hand side of the box. Mm -hmm. Very nice shot, but there was like, if you're an XG disciple, you'd never take that shot is what I'll say. But sure. very nice, very nice finish or shot, but didn't get the goal. Um, again, very worrying from St. Johnston. Um, I know Aberdeen are under a bit of a resurgence, but still conceding close to one XG to Aberdeen away from home still is not very good. And then only creating 0.4 XG. Again, very, very, very worrying. Well, the thing with St. Johnston is, and you know, they've got a double game week coming up, but you look at that team and you think, well, I can't pick out where their goals are coming from and the clean sheets have gone. So really, like, what have they got there that's going to keep them from going down? Like, it's very, very worrying times at McDermott Park just now. Yeah, like, even though they've got the double game week coming up, like, uh, yeah, just... I mean, how do they, what does their fixture run look like? Let's get this up quickly. Um, They play... Motherwell away from home, who we've spoken about, very good offensively and are just a good team. And then they play Ross County at home, who are the best offensive, one of the best offensive sides in the league. So, yeah, you look at that run. Motherwell recently, their underlying statistics, particularly from an offensive standpoint, have uh, improved. Ross County, as we've mentioned, as Thomas has just mentioned, one of the better attacking sides in the league. They then take on Celtic at home and then go away to Hearts, who I think. Outside of the old firm, are the best team in the league at home? They are the best team in the league at home. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the case. Yeah. They are, you know, fantastic home records. Then they go away to Livingston, which recently has become a difficult place to play. Like, yeah. looking bleak. Looking very, very bleak. And I'm just scrolling through their results here. They've conceded twice to Rangers, once to Aberdeen, once to Dundee without scoring in return. So that's three games, no clean sheets and no goals. Yep. Then they lost 2-1 to Hibs, who were pish, <laughs> to be polite. Then they lose 1-0 to Celtic, drew 0-0 with St. Mirren, and then beat Dundee 1-0, Dundee United 1-0, and we're way back uh, at the end of October. So, like, you're not getting clean sheet points and you're rarely getting offensive returns. So it's... I had McCart in for a long time and I was... I mean, I had Clark in, but the reason Clark, I kept Clark is he would make so many saves. He would almost just be getting his like clean sheet points, even if they conceded. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. Let's crack on with this watch list. Um, no, because we've forgotten... Have we not done St. Mary and Hibs? I feel like we briefly covered it when we were talking about Hibs. I did mention the fact that it was a tight fixture, um, but just... Yeah, 0.93 XG to Hibs' 0.95. I mean, you've got Boyle in this, but what's your plan with your 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 Hibs assets going forward from here? I mean, what did you see? Did you see anything in that game? You know, that 
makes you want to hold on to them for that much longer? Um, Nisbet's still getting in good positions, and the thing is, is they're like they're due an upturn in form soon. Yep. So it's like, when is that going to come? And like, I feel it's almost like the sunken cost fallacy. I've had them for this long. I might as well wait until they retire, but I don't know if that's a bad idea or not. Aberdeen at home, Dundee United away, Celtic away, Hearts at home, Motherwell away is a fairly stiff run of fixtures as well. Motherwell, uh, Dundee United isn't too bad. They've been struggling for goals and they've also been conceding a relatively large amount recently. But yeah, yeah probably st- wouldn't be too upset if you moved them on. Right, watch list time. So I'm not going to bother going back through the whole thing. Um, I will just... Uh, include the players that we're taking off and adding. So starting with those added to the watch list, uh, first of all, Livingston defender Ayo Obelai. Um, he is on penalties and has a nice run of fixtures that goes Ross County at home, Motherwell away, Dundee at home, St. Johnston at home um, over the next four. So I like him as a wee punt if you've got a transfer line around. Um, Jamie McCart uh, and Sean Rooney have both been taken off despite having a double game week. I have one St. Johnson defender, and that's more than enough. That is all of the cash I'm willing to pump into that uh, double game week. It's, as you've mentioned, it's not the easiest double game week. St. Johnson are very poor at the moment, both ends of the pitch. From midfield, Tom Rogage has been uh, added to the watch list uh, with two returns in the double game week, and uh, David Turnbull has seen himself removed as we now both own him. And finally, uh, Alfredo Morelos from uh, Rangers has been added as he was the highest scorer in the double game week and is like just playing out of his skin right now. Yeah. Uh, something I forgot to mention about the... We or neither of us mentioned even was that Nisbet went off injured in his last game. Did you not know that? I did not know that, no. Yeah, Nisbet went off injured. I don't know how bad it is. So we'll need to wait and see, but again. Minus eight to get Morelos in, I hear you say. Yeah, straight off the back of a wild card almost. Right then, so we have covered the fixtures in our teams, Thomas. We have quickly gone over the watch list. Let's look ahead to game double game week. The third double game week in a row? Correct. Third double game week in a row, um, which sees... Ross County and St. Johnston with double game weeks. They play each other. And then Ross County are away to Livingston and St. Johnston are away to Motherwell. Um, what is your plan with your captaincy and vice-captaincy as it stands? Well, I need to figure out which transfer I'm making, but I actually wouldn't be too opposed to keeping the captaincy armband on David Turnbull. Yeah, I think that's not too bad a shout away at St. Marin. I have it. I, my bus team is set up. It is on him. I think in seasons gone past, it would have been on Tavernier playing Dundee United at home. But Tavernier's influence in the final third of the pitch under the new regime and in the new system is it has far decreased. He's taking far fewer shots on goal. Um, the majority of his crosses are coming from the set pieces he's taking, not necessarily from open play. So I think he is far less of a viable captain's o- captaincy option in the past. And honestly, I think I'd be more comfortable captaining Aribo. And if you own him, if you're one of the lucky f- lucky few who owns Morelos, I'd nail it to him. Yeah, absolutely. What about vice-captaincy, Thomas? 
I am tempted by Erebo. By Erebo? Yes. I think, uh, let's have a look. Um, at Josh underscore footblog asks, is sticking a vice captaincy on a St. Johnson or a Ross County defender a wise idea for game week 19? He says defender specifically. What do you think? Absolutely not. No. What about one of those? I mean, I guess we're ignoring St. Johnson here but for reasons we've already mentioned. But what about, I've got my vice captaincy on Regan Charles Cook. Livingston away, St. Johnson away. What do you think? That is not a bad shout, to be honest. I mean, I don't have Reagan Charles Cook. But again, I've got a few transfers I need to make in my team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so. More, for more, more generally speaking, I think your armband probably does go to one of the old firm teams. Hearts do have a nice fixture on paper versus Dundee, but Hearts are very much Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to playing at home and playing away. Hearts are a far less than team away from Tynecastle than they are at home so I just I don't have any Hearts players I have an eye on Boyce but I don't think I'm looking to bring him in purely to captain or vice captain him um, so I think I'm going to leave that one there I think your choices are probably between considering Hibbs's form and the form of their attacking players between the old firm and the uh, yeah between the old firm between Rangers and Celtic and then a vice captaincy punt, punt on probably only Charles Cook is the only one worth giving that armband to yeah, I would agree. From a sort of general perspective, Thomas, um, what's the transfer strategy here? First of all, from a wildcard perspective, those who have a girthy squad of 15 playing players, what's the plan? Most, I think, will have doubled or tripled up on, on Hibs. They'll have, you know, between three and five, or three and five um, Dundee and Ross County players. You know, one or two Dundee United players game, playing away against Rangers. What's the move here more generally? I mean, put out any fires that you have. Um, if you've got Furuhashi and or Ralston, I feel like they'll start coming back into the fray. So if you still have them, maybe don't bother transferring them out yet because they, like, Ralston returned at the weekend. So you you might as well not waste the transfer on it because Ralston goes back into the team. He's played a full 90 as well. I mean, he like... I thought he, I he got subbed on in the game. No, he started it right back and Juranovic started it right wing. Oh, yeah, so he did. He played a full 90, so I think that's him back. Um, yeah, if I was at Ralston, I would definitely be holding, keeping an eye on the fitness of Kyogo Furuhashi. Yeah, I think, what about uh, getting a bench trick player back in? Is that a high priority of yours? I mean... Uh, Getting your bench player in now probably isn't a bad idea because then it frees up some money for you to put it somewhere else. So, for example, I have James Forrest, who I'm going to replace. I could put in someone like Finn Robson of Dundee United, who's only 2.3 million, and now I'm able to afford the almighty Alfredo Morelos. Will you be taking? Would you take a minus four this game week? They are playing Dundee United who haven't been playing well. But I feel just off the... Saying that, I couldn't actually get Morales in because I have three Rangers players. So no, I would need to take a minus eight to get him in. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'm in a similar position. I think it's just a you know semi-sticking to the plan. I think a number of people who were on wild cards made one or two transfers last game week. So they only have, you know, they'll have one or two this week. The overwhelming majority maybe they have... Ah, if you're on two transfers, you definitely bring a bench tr- bench trick player back in and probably upgrade elsewhere. 
And then if you're on one, I think I'm going to, yeah, I think the play is, is to get your bench trick player back in. It solves benching headaches. And I think, again, you enter yourself back into the lottery of a return off the bench. Um, and I quite like, you know, that idea. If you hadn't wild carded and, you know, you're still kind of fairly heavy on hearts and Motherwell, have a couple of Dundee United players, etc. Um, what, what would you be doing? Would you be starting to try and build towards a Morelos? I mean, if you've got a wild card to use, um, I feel like now wouldn't be the greatest time to use it because there's still a chance of double game weeks, especially with this new COVID outbreak and us entering the winter. There's a very, very good chance games get delayed or or, or postponed. So um, I feel like down the line, there will be another good chance to use it before game week 33. Um if you have what were the teams sorry hearts yeah i would say probably if you if you have already if you you know if you didn't wild card for the double game weeks i would just be targeting i mean regan charles cook if you have the vast majority of your priority transfers like you know your celtic mids your rangers players um you know a keeper that you're happy with i would be targeting a regan charles cook for that double game week you know when the opportunity is there you take it. like like you know if i was to go back in time I would have made the Hibs decision a hundred times out of a hundred if I didn't know the outcome. You know, like you yep. have to play those fixtures. Ross County are a fantastic offensive side. Livingston are a stiff defence when they're playing um, at the Ware Thomas. The spaghetti hat. And then, you know, St. Johnson are a poor side at the moment too. So I think you have to sort of chase that upside with you know, a player like Regan Charles Cook or Joseph Hungbo. And then... Um, I guess a little nod to chip strategy. If you had a maybe a leveler head than myself and Thomas, or you wild carded the game week previous, I would not be against wild card um, wild carding bench boosting this game week because feasibly you could play a, a starting eleven that has you know three Rangers, three Celtic, one or two Hibs, one or two Hearts players. You know you've got a starting eleven there, and then bench boosting with like two or three Ross County players and a. Uh, a St. Johnson player on there, and I think that's a very good move. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't talk you out of it. I mean, probably would do better than my bench boost. <laughs> Not too difficult, though. No. Nine points. Right, before we shut this down, we have a couple of questions in. So we've already answered uh, Josh's, who, who was asking about vice-captaincy on St. Johnson, Ross County defender. And we said, absolutely not. But Regan Charles Cook is a good shout for vice captaincy and then um at bones fpl i think it's a first time questioner on the podcast yep long time listener first time caller uh, uh, <laughs> he asked three questions so um let's ta- tackle them one by one here nisbid hard in the double game weeks uh 10 points followed by three blanks um who are your top three forwards to own over the next few weeks thomas so, kick us off morelos number one not even close. We've we've talked about him enough. Let's. He is number one. Who are two a considerable three. distance to number two? I think, based purely off of goal scoring record and fixtures to come, it's going to be um, Tony Watt and Liam Boyce. Tony Watt, I can one hundred percent get behind due to them playing St Johnston and Livingston at home. Then they play Ross County away and St Mirren away. Those are four, or three of those four are very good. Fixtures for an attacker. Then, yeah. Hearts are equally as favourable, I would argue. Yeah, Dundee, Dundee away, Ross County at home, St Johnston at home, and then 
Hibsway, depending on how they're doing, then it could arguably arguably be classed as an easy fixture. But order them, rank them. So Morelos one, who's two, and who's three? What's then, boys? Yeah, yeah, really. Oh, but why don't we consider? Uh, I was gonna say Watkins or Ramirez because they, yeah. although they have Hibs away and Dundee at home, they do play Rangers, but then go Ross County, St Mirren, St Johnston. Yeah. So I mean, if you benched your play, benched your Aberdeen, if you had one of them and benched them on the game week twenty one where they play Rangers, yeah, they are a good shout for four of the next five game weeks. No, I would agree. So I, I, I think I. Agree I'll, put, I'll put Watkins in fourth. Yeah, Watkins in fourth for me, Morales in first. I would probably swap. It's very tight because oh, Motherwell, Motherwell have the uh, Motherwell have the fixtures, but I rate Boyce higher. Both of them take penalties, as far as I'm aware. Um, but I think uh, this is going to be the mistake I make all season. I trust Hearts more as a team than I do Motherwell. <laughs> Um, very tight call between the two of them as well. Oh say. yeah, very very tight. And I probably like both of them as a vice cop- vice captaincy option this game week. I'll yeah. say that. And if you had a front three of Watt, Boyce, and Morelos, I mean you're pretty settled. Like yeah, you also you will also have a very subpar midfield defence. <laughs> <You'll>, yeah, agreed. <laughs> with, um, with what twenty million sunk into your forwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Second question from at Bones FPL. Um, eyeing up any Ross County or St. Johnson assets for the double or two short term I feel like we've already covered that um, so I'm going to skip beyond that I'll I mean well, well, that what we'll do is we'll just summarise it Charles Cook yeah Charles Cook I wouldn't be in a rush to move your uh, Ross, Ross County assets on if you're already holding if you have a transfer lying around I would maybe look to a Harry Clark or doubling up in the midfield something like that St. Johnson I have Jamie McCarr I don't feel that great about it and then their fixtures turn fairly aggressively Right after, it's Celtic at home and then Hearts away. Final question. Dundee United, five losses in their last seven. Move them on, question mark. Thomas, what do you think? Yes, I couldn't tell you. I'm quickly going to look up their form, but as you said, five of the last seven, they've lost. And I think they're bottom of the form table for the last six matches. I think it's three points in the last six. They're they're bottom with St. Mirren. Yeah, and from what I remember, they've had two problems, and they are conceding goals and not scoring goals. Pretty much, pretty similar to St. Johnston. So. I think if we do go to the expected data, though, they have been somewhat unlucky. However, in the beginning of the season, they were definitely on the positive side of variance, um, and maybe this is just a, a form of regression. I'm not so sure. Let's have a look at their... Recently, ah, fair, yeah, you know what, you're right, Thomas. I'm looking at their last five expected goals and expected goals against. Um, points of, great. Yeah, expected goals, it's like only once did they go above one. And then for XG conceded, on two occasions, it's been more than two. And on two occasions, it's been more than one. So, yeah, not great. Not great. So, would I, the thing is, I guess when it comes to moving them on, it depends. I have them both on the bench for this Rangers game. Um, but I have higher priorities elsewhere. Yes, um, and although they have a couple of cuff, not a couple, couple of tough, <laughs> a couple of cuff fixtures, uh, nah, they do have a couple of tough fixtures. There is like a three-week game, like a three-game week span where they play. I think it's Saint Mirren, Ross County, and Saint Johnston. Saint Mirren at home, Dundee away, Dundee, Ross County at home. 
So yeah, so three relatively decent fixtures, but that's a while away. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not in a rush to remove them, and I, I hope I'm. I have other priorities elsewhere. Yep. But if you have a free transfer available, you don't have, you know, you're happy with how your team is going. You want to take a punt on a Harry Clark. I would see. I wouldn't stop you from moving off of a Charlie Mulgrew or an Edwards to to, to someone like him. No. What are your specific transfer plans then, Thomas? Remind me. Oh, I've got a load of transfer plans, to be honest. James Forrest is out, is definitely, definitely, definitely one of them. Um, whether that is to bring in a bench trick player or um, Furuhashi is yet to be decided. I think, yeah. My plan as it stands is to go from Johnson to a bench trick player. I am happy to sit on Nesbitt for a home game versus Aberdeen and Mullen versus Hearts. I mean, he didn't return in the double game week, but he looked fairly good, did Mullen. St. Um, Saint Johnson <laughs> Johnston, um, got minutes off the bench and then was subbed off again. Yes, that was due to fitness in the first game, in the first game of the double game week, but in the second game week, second game of the double game week, goodness me, um, and would rather have started a right back at right mid and a central midfielder up top over and and Montgomery at left wing over and above giving Mikey Johnson any minutes which doesn't make me feel particularly good about him as a pick so we'll most likely be papping him out my side for I think it's a Motherwell player funnily enough the first of the season (laughs) my first Motherwell player of the season will be a bench trick player would it be Cody McLeod? it would be Cody McLeod yeah fair enough Anything else, Thomas? Nah, I think that's everything. All right, then. Do you want to round us out, then? Sure. So, cheers for listening. Uh, hope you found that helpful. Don't forget to follow us on at on Twitter at SFFantasy.com. We post all our stuff there, like our links to this. And it's the best place to go and ask us questions as well. We love answering right. questions on the pod. It's good pod. It's good for uh, good for content as well, so fire them in. And it also gets our gears turning. Like even if someone asking one question sort of gets us thinking, going down a rabbit hole, which leads to somewhere completely different. So, yes, feel free to leave any questions or just like our stuff, please. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic outro. Anyway, we will see you next week. See ya.